1: When I was a child growing up in San Francisco area, I used to visit the Japanese tea garden and visit the carp swimming just beneath the lily pads in a two-dimensional pond. I used to spend hours looking at them. They would swim forward, backward, left and right. Their eyes were to the side and they couldn't see me. I was in the third dimension. I was in hyperspace. They were totally unaware that there was a universe beyond their pond. And then I thought, well, what happens if I reach down and grab one of the fish, lift the fish up? Maybe that fish was a scientist, and the scientist would say, bah, humbug, science fiction, there's no world of up. Up does not exist. Well, I would grab this scientist, lift them up in the world of up, hyperspace, the third dimension, what would he see? He would see beings breathing without water, a new law of biology. Beings moving without fins, a new law of physics and then I would put the fish back into the pond. What kind of stories would he tell? Well today, we physicists believe, we cannot prove it yet, but we are the fish. We spend all our life in three dimensions. We go forward, backward, left, right, up, down, thinking that anything beyond our pond, anything beyond our little puny universe, is science fiction. We say bah, humbug. We can't say that anymore because the concept of higher dimensions now is the biggest game in town. You see, in three dimensions, there's not enough room to put all the laws of physics. But when you go to this larger pond, this pond of hyperspace, then all the laws of physics just fit together like a jigsaw puzzle.
0: Have you ever thought about upper dimensions? Do you think there are upper dimensions? Well, in this book, the oversea is an upper dimension. The schooner moves through this dimension into areas never before explored as the crew searches for the nexus of the timeline change. From the beginning, upon meeting Dr. Nico Morrow again, McKenna can see his old nemesis has lost touch with reality. Nico's image is only a representation. This ultra-image, from an unknown time and place, seems just as deadly. And Beth becomes a problem for McKenna as she totally blames him for being taken from Earth and causing this whole tragedy. Nico has begun a deadly game with Time Portal Alpha back in the future. But the crew are going through the computers and finding people, places, and events that have been changed to alter the timeline. They need to go back to the year 1904, the city of Los Angeles. Episode 2, Time Portal Alpha by Robert P. Fitton Begins Anew. Chapter 4, Time Portal Alpha, Alternative Timeline, July 15th, 2084. I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to another place in time I knew not where. Beth huddled against the platform wall as they soared into space within the Oversea. She said nothing as they moved further away from Earth. The platform slowly rotated as the distant Time Portal Alpha's smooth white surface came into view and glowed against the darkness. We're almost at Time Portal Alpha, Beth, said McKenna. Who cares? I'm not stupid. You and your project have ruined everything. With a downturn in Mouth, McKenna looked ahead. In his own lifetime, he never thought he had lived to see history altered. Everyone who was in the old timeline was just not gone. They never existed. That included his parents, cousins, Steve and Lisa, Jen and Scooter, everyone he had ever met. Yet he could not begin to figure out what had been done to corrupt time and by whom. Mark, said Rasputin. McKenna summoned a viewer, and Beth gazed at the bearded Rasputin in his deep eyes on the screen. McKenna faced Rasputin as he spoke. Everything politically and economically has changed, but here's what I found. Prior to 1904, this timeline conforms with the old timeline, so the event must have taken place in 1904. McKenna nodded. Who was president in 1904? Roosevelt. I'm running equations, Mark, said Annie. If we take the geography center of change and the subsequent events, we might be able to ascertain what happened and where. Who did it? asked the incredulous McKenna. Nico? Unknown. Time Portal Alpha's internal lights glowed and the red beacons blinked at the corners. He looked into Beth's stunned eyes. Are you all right? She stared at him and then pursed her lips. If you want to blame me, Beth, then go ahead. I really don't care. You and your damn military project don't care who you hurt. We didn't do this. Just leave me alone. You make me sick. Is that right? I really don't care what you think. In case you haven't noticed, everyone that I hold dear just blinked out of existence, too. You wouldn't be alive if you weren't here on the Oversea. McKenna's face flushed as the platform swiveled toward the docking portal. The magnetic lock clicked and the hatchway opened on the floor. McKenna crawled onto the ladder inside the hatchway. You're welcome to sit up here for all eternity for all I care, Beth. He climbed down the ladder and into the upper conference area. The entire team was assembled in the adjoining room. Everyone saluted. Where is Beth Daniels? asked Steuben. She's up top and all torqued up. She's blaming us, me specifically, for the timeline being shifted. Eventually she'll come down, said Rasputin. Lieutenant Commander Ryan and I have constructed a hypovented routing device. All communication and computations are quantum-burrowed as to prevent detection. Minimal power usage, but undetectable. How about a shortened name, Annie? The device... McNulty and the entire staff gone McKenna staggered over to the conference table and placed his palms on the surface You know what that means? Yes, I know what that means. Mr. McGrath He held his temples and tried to regain his composure Does anyone on present-day earth know we're up here in the Oversea? No said Annie as she set up her viewer on the table as a matter of fact technology is around 30 years behind where it was "'Subtle differences,' said Rasputin. "'It would appear that on a rising curve "'that individuals born as the 20th century progressed "'have been replaced by new people. "'By 1975, I am not matching like individuals "'to our original timeline.' "'That's incredible,' said McKenna. "'And you're saying this disruption occurred in 1904?' "'Yes.' We need to study how actual history changed around the epicenter of the disruption, said Rasputin. That could take some time. With teary eyes, McKenna folded his hands. It would appear that we have all the time in the world. Beth, in a blue tPA uniform, studied the realigned Earth in the darkness outside the window span. McKenna, carrying a padded tablet, approached the contentious reporter and former girlfriend. This whole incident is outrageous, she said through gritted teeth as she blocked the corridor. Just what do you want me to do about it, Beth? And it's not an incident. This is a complete reset of reality. You saw it yourself. Is that the best you can say? She gawked at him and then started down the corridor. McKenna turned and called out. You might want to remember that we're all in this together. Because of what someone has done to the timeline, Ms. Beth, it's not all about you. McKenna tried to shake her from his thoughts. Even if they figured out how time had been altered, everyone would have to board the schooner and travel the Oversea. But that was all theory. McNulty had scheduled test flights, but no one even knew if the schooner would work. Apparently, someone somewhere had been successful. McKenna walked into the computer room. Annie looked up. Beth is getting on my nerves, Mark. Tell me about it. He walked around to her viewer. I'm not optimistic about our predicament. And find the epicenter of this time change. Annie gripped her pen. Rasputin insists the disruption took place in the United States. He tells me of an increase of business in Texas and Florida. So what? Asked McKenna as he shot to his feet. We could do economic and geographic studies for the next 50 years. That is reality. McKenna leaned toward her. Annie, I think the problem is finding out who's responsible for the time reset and then somehow go back there and stop this before, and I repeat, before they changed history in 1904, if that is the date. We've never gone back in time, Mark, said Annie. It's the first time for everything. Annie bowed her head and thought for the longest time. Then she slowly looked up. It's like a war, isn't it, Mark? Or at least a special ops version. Yeah, said McKenna. We need to prevent the catastrophe. His zuzer beeped. McKenna. Commander, this is Camp. I just picked up an object traveling through the oversea toward us. Origin is the moon Phobos, but and in this dimension. Isn't that interesting? Does Steuben know about this? I wanted to call you first, sir. What the hell is it? asked McKenna. Wait, I want to see it, and copy Steuben in on this communication. I don't know if it's related to the realignment. It has to be, said McKenna. Why send something toward us? asked Annie. When you can just go back and change things at the epicenter and be done with it. That is a good point, said McKenna. We have to find the epicenter of the time change. Spinning particle discs radiated around a fluctuating glowing mass zooming through the Oversea. Below the screen was the actual distance in miles. Commander, said Cam. There could be weaponry in this object to prevent us from going back. I see it. Why do you say that? Radiation. Then send our probe out to scan it. The short-haired Cam leaned toward the camera's screen corner. up. Get in the schooner and create a space back through time as soon as possible. Kenna feared there was no guarantee they would not be killed if they boarded the schooner. Noted, Cam. Thank you. But as Annie has pointed out, we aren't exactly proficient in that schooner. Cam spoke seriously. Thank you, Admiral McNulty, for neglecting this project. With all deference, McNulty had no idea something like this would happen. Well, he should have trained us more. Water over the dam, he said, as Steuben and McGrath both came on the viewer. What do you think, Georges? Mark, we could trace a field behind that object and search for a schooner trail. Do it. Rasputin was at his console behind Steuben, McGrath, and Cam. I'm picking up a power source from Phobos. Phobos? Visual? I'm not sure. Cam, you get with Steuben and prepare the schooner to be operational. Yes, sir. Will, you track that object. Rasputin, stay on that signal from Phobos. This is all too convenient. Atop a rounded mound, a long tapered pathway with side rails led to the schooner's open nose cone. McKenna watched McGrath and Steuben at their consoles inside the nose cone. The bearded Rasputin checked the powerful dimensional locks lining under the schooner that would act like a railway back in time. Beyond the linear schooner's rib transparency, a wide gray tarmac led into the murky oversea dimension. He walked up the pathway ramp to the open nose cone. Without any dimensional draw, the overseer appeared matted black forever. Once inside, he stepped up to one of the side-viewers. On the three real-time panels behind Annie, the white approaching particle disk zoomed through space and was only six hours away from impacting Time Portal Alpha. Interlocks are somehow clogged, said Steuben. What? Just get it going. Where the hell is Beth? asked McKenna, looking into the schooner's center lounge and relaxation area. Is she back in the cabins? Andy checked her viewer. I haven't seen her. Hey, roughshod, he said to Cam. Yes, sir, he said, turning at his console. Find the little lady, if you will. Are you issuing noise canceling earbuds, sir? asked Cam. McKenna smiled. Absolutely. Cam jogged out the nose cone and back to Time Portal Alpha. McKenna stared at the radiating disks moving through the Oversea on the screen. Georgie's, are there weapons in this thing? Unknown, Mark. We need to get closer. Commander, said Annie, her eyes open wide, a signal is gathering here in the schooner. Point of origin, Phobos in the Oversea. A possible ultra image. The high pitched sound of crystalline glass shaking filled the schooner. What is that noise? shouted McKenna, covering his ears. Formation of energy, Commander! A burst of fine gold particles slowly rained on the floor and dissipated. The holographic image of Dr. Nico Morrow, his brown hair slightly over his ears, brightened to a realistic depiction midway between the lounge and control area. McKenna sprang to his feet, and Annie's eyes remained open wide. Nico wore a dark suit with long tails buttoned in the center, Over his red satin tie and white shirt, a purple rose was ensconced in his lapel. His sculptured deep eyes were framed by odd, right-angled brows. He had a semblance of a mustache and a cunning smile that exuded an arrogant superiority. He faced McKenna. What is this nonsense? asked McKenna. The image was tight and close to reality. Have I upset your so-called project, Mark? McKenna walked up to the image. Nico's left hand was covered by a white glove with cross stitching over the palm. I thought you were dead, and what happened to your hand? Shrapnel destroyed most of my hand as I entered the Oversea. I'm stronger and more deadly than ever. Implanted in the bone is a very powerful slaser. You're not even real. This is a simulation, said McKenna, waving his hand through Nico's body. Hardly. I am real, just not in your space and time. For you see, Mark, I have risen from the dead in the year of our Lord Zero. (laughs) When McKenna grew angry, Nico pointed at him and continued laughing. (laughs) McKenna clenched his fists. Are you responsible for the charge in the interlocks that stopped us? You were always so meticulous. You just let your world melt away like a heated candle into the timeline that never was. His blue eyes glimmered, and then he tilted his head back and laughed again. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. This isn't a game, Moro. Not some childish competition. You were never up to the challenge. Why did you change the timeline, Nico? Oh, Mark, begging is so unbecoming. I'll kill you. Kill an image? I think not. I thought you said I didn't exist. Then you've returned from another time period, or indeed you don't exist. Foolish man, you have no power over me, and neither does your former world. It's gone, Commander. You may thank me for reducing your country to a second-rate operation, as they say. After all, your country raped the world. Just because you're a total failure, I changed the world, Mark. Hardly the actions of a failure. Shut up, Nico. Nico panned his hand around the schooner. I win, you lose. The ultra-image emanates from Phobos, said Rasputin as he walked into the hub. Oh, and the illustrious and mystical Rasputin. The legend whose senses and reasons, but whose powers have come up empty on this one. Rasputin stared intently at Nico's realistic image. You won't get away with this, said McKenna. Oh, yes, I will. Face it, your world has been destroyed. His azure eyes possessed a focus evil. You could never match my genius. Just try and escape the cluster weapon. Come find me. Come find me, Mark. Cluster weapon. Again, Nico began laughing and pointed with his glove slaser at the furious McKenna. Ha <laughs> ha, for you see, Mark. My cluster weapon will impact your precious time portal, Alpha, in five hours and fifteen minutes. Poof! You and it will be no more. You should have been more cynical, more prepared. I know for a fact that your schooner has never been properly tested. McNulty is an old fool. I'll kill you if it's the last thing I do. Oh, your feeble attempt will be the last thing you do. Said Nico, impressed with his own wit. Think of me, dear Mark, as the cluster weapon countdown commences, and you and your time portal, Alvark, are destroyed. Then we'll deal. You have nothing I want, and frankly, you're beginning to bore me. So sorry you lost. He laughs last last best, and your world is indeed gone. Goodbye, Mark. Six Semper Tyrannus! <laughs> his last words melted into laughter that diminished as McKenna ran forward toward the fading image. Somehow the purple rose fell to the floor. No one ever doubted his genius, said Rasputin, picking up the rose. That doesn't help us now. Get rid of that rose! Georgies, what's the schooner status? We should be fully ready within a day. Haven't you been listening? We have less than six hours. He set this up, or it's an elaborate ultra image. The object is nuclear, Mr. Steuben. Mark, these schooner systems have to be checked and booted up. Forget it. We'll have to make adjustments on the way. His Zouza beeped. In the viewer, Cam stood above Time Portal Alpha's lower level. Sir, I have not found Beth. Keep looking. I don't need her in nonsense. McKenna closed his eyes. We don't even know what Nico did in 1904 to set this whole thing into motion. Chapter 5 July 15th, 2084 Escape or Die. In the schooner Samos, named after the ancient Greek island, McGrath sat like a jet pilot in front of the curved lighted panel display. Steuben in the adjacent seat watched the empty Time Portal Alpha on the real time panels behind Annie. With the nose cones secure, a sloping vermilion projection now extended ahead of the schooner. Eight blue vinyl seats with viewers and computers formed a semicircle behind McGrath and Steuben. More seats lined the side panels. Beth, in a blue Space Force W uniform, stood next to Annie and had produced a sour face ever since Cam found her in an isolated supply closet back at the station. She crossed her arms and, like an alarm reminder, shook her head every few minutes. Mark, said Annie, studying the calculations on the screen. I feel like I'm parachute jumping for the first time. We have no choice. We have to go or be killed by that cluster weapon. I need you to go over the checklist again. Cold fusion propulsion is at optimum in all interlocks, said Steuben. Cold fusion? shouted Beth, her arms still folded. You and your scientific nonsense got us into this situation. Cold fusion creates the tug between dimensions, said McKenna, and moves the schooner back in time. Who cares? We've lost everything and I blame you personally. Lieutenant Olney, he said to Kim. Remove Miss Daniels from the forward section and secure her in her cabin. Oh, sure, don't take responsibility. Let's go, Miss Daniels, said Cam. She pointed her finger at McKenna. If I ever get the chance to destroy you, Mark, I will. Cam marched her through the lounge into the cabin area in the aft of the ship. Just for the record, Mark, said Annie, the only person at fault here is Dr. Nico Morrow. We have a hundred percent confidence in you, sir, said Steuben. If I could withhold my vote for now, said McGrath and McKenna smiled. You do that well. Dimensional drag, the tugging, will depend on the magnetic interlocks utilizing the code fusion, said Annie. With the main power computations, our computers can find our location by simple global bisecting. As far as the time period, that's all done by translating the power levels and elapsed time into the actual date. McKenna pressed his lips. It's our only chance to return to the epicenter of the disruption. Find out what happened to change everything. How do we know that the Ultra Image is even from the present? Asked Steubman. We don't, said Rasputin, emerging from his cabin in the rear section. What happened with the lady, Ms. Daniels? She hasn't adjusted to the change, said Annie. I heard you speaking about the Ultra Image. I'd be willing to bet that Nico didn't hang around in the 1900s, said Rasputin. Obviously he came back to view his new future. Probably right, Rasputin. McKenna started up front as the ship's magnetic interlocks began to hum. Mark, energy weapon is 30 minutes away. And that's supposed to make me feel better, Annie? Steuben says we can get underway on a limited basis in a few minutes. Target year is 1904. We have to continue deciphering what happened by comparing the old and the new timeline. Oh, I'm sure Nico covered his tracks. True. And Mark, even if we understand what happened, trying to stop this disruption in time, whatever Nico did, would be exceedingly difficult. The magnetic pods were at optimum, and he could sense travel back in time. McGrath reported that the pivoting magnetic interlocks, humming louder now, were ready for travel. Annie pointed at her viewer, and everyone gathered around. Definite nuclear material in that energy weapon. Begin reversal, said McKenna, looking up at Steuben and McGrath. He caught sight of Jen's time as a Present" poster under the reality windows. Where would Nico get a weapon of that magnitude? Reversal commencing said mcgrath gripping a shifting device like an airline pilot outside the panels a curved luminescent orange mass drifted upward like fog and a darker silhouetted formation appeared below a linear pathway composed of pure energy between dimensions glowed a light brown toward a gray luminous haze far away 10 seconds till movement said mcgrath the low-pitched hum produced a constant audio blare, opening like an iris inside a camera lens. Only this iris brightened gold and revealed a newly formed dimension inside. Steuben modified the annoying sound as the schooner nudged toward a nascent passageway. Time portal alpha and the cluster weapon disappeared from the monitor as the schooner entered a bright burst of star-like beams radiating from the nose cone. The craft shook and smoothly glided forward like a boat launched into a river. They zoomed forward, passing dark outlines like mountains on a country road. Within the surrounding pale orange glow, thin streaks like clouds raced above the schooner. We are moving back in time, said Steuben, three minutes to be precise. Annie circled her finger around and smiled. We must remember that Satan has his miracles too. Who said that? asked McKenna. John Calvin. Predestination, very funny, Annie. McKenna locked his eyes with Steuben. Annie, keep the real-time panels on Time Portal Alpha. Done. McKenna stared at the empty station, now ahead of them in time. We will be increasing our speed during the next 15 minutes. There might be some rocking before we stabilize along the dimensional barriers. We're tapping directly into dimensional energy. The area around us is the space we have created. Like we're in a canyon, said McKenna, just like the simulation. How long will it take us to get back to 1904, Georges? Depends on the amount of energy we can draw from. You must have some idea, said McKenna. Steuben shook his head. Not right now, I don't. I can tell you how far back we are in time. That is only as good as our data, said Annie. Correct. McKenna nodded and found a seat next to Cam and Annie at the screen. Annie held up a padded tablet. Mark, I'm checking the history of 1904 from a governmental point of view. What happened in 1904? asked McKenna. Cam held his own screen. Cam, remember, we need to know what dampened the United States' economic expansion. I understand, sir, said Cam, his short, dark hair combed down. Call of the Wild is published. William Randall Kramer wins the Nobel Peace Prize. For what? asked McKenna. Kramer won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in international arbitration of the 1897 Anglo-American Arbitration Treaty. He co-founded the Interparliamentary Union and the International Arbitration League. Ugh, said McKenna, yawning. He shook his head. Niels Finsen uses phototherapy to treat skin diseases. McKenna leaned forward. What's this about Stalin? Joseph Stalin joins the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks formed from Russia's Social Democrat Party. The party split in 1904. Lenin was the Bolshevik leader. Andy, was something done to Stalin? Asked McKenna. He looked ahead as the schooner gained speed. Timeline different, but not relating to the United States. Stay on that one, said McKenna. Model A, produced by Ford, but does not have a negative impact in the U.S. Hitler's father died. Die too late, said Annie. New York Stock Exchange opened. Theodore Roosevelt visits San Francisco. Follow up on Teddy Roosevelt, Annie. He dedicated the Dewey Monument in the city's Union Square, commemorating Admiral George Dewey's victory over the Spanish forces at Manila Bay during the Spanish-American War. Roosevelt's a mover and a shaker, said McKenna. See what else he did. McKenna headed up front. Steuben looked up over his shoulder. We are one hour and 51 minutes back in time. McKenna studied the passage, stretching outward toward the gray haze so far away. We have a long way to go. Roosevelt was involved in the project that brought water to Los Angeles, said Annie. He signed off on it. How so? asked McKenna. They blocked the Federal Bureau of Reclamation's plans to build an agricultural irrigation system for the Owens Valley. A national forest was built around the river, only it had no trees. Owens Valley, you mean up north, said McKenna. Approximately 250 miles from L.A., They got Roosevelt in 1906 through the Bureau of Reclamation to allow the water to be brought south. That's incredible, said McKenna, as Rasputin joined them. Did you hear that, Rasputin? How did they fund it? They passed a $23 million bond measure in Los Angeles in 1907 to cover the aqueduct's construction costs. And, Mark, that aqueduct was never built after the change in this new timeline. What is the background on this aqueduct, asked Steuben from up front. Existing water wasn't cutting it in L.A. and the city was growing. Names? 1892, Fred Eaton, an engineer, wanted construction of a private aqueduct from the Owens Valley. He spent the summer in Owens in 92. Eaton became mayor in 1898 for two years, but it wasn't until the Bureau of Reclamation asked a J.B. Lippincott, Chief of Operations in California, to find out the feasibility of Owens Valley as the source for the L.A. water. Lippincourt was a friend of Eaton. Eaton was the mayor at the end of the 19th century. When Eaton was water superintendent, he hired William Mulholland. He began talking with Mulholland in the early 1890s about getting water from up north. Got it, said McKenna. Also important was William W.B. Matthews, the city's attorney. He secured bonds later with investment firms in New York. And when Eaton wanted a private consortium for his efforts on securing rights, Matthews and Mulholland shut him down. I have two different timelines here. After a drought in Los Angeles in our old timeline, William Mulholland, now the water department chief, and Fred Eaton secretly went north to scout the area. She turned to McKenna. In September 1904, Commander, I believe I have found the disruption. In the second timeline, Mulholland and Eaton were never heard from again, and the project stalled, and then she had an astonished look on her face. The aqueduct was never built. But in the old timeline, it was constructed, said McKenna. Bringing water to L.A. precipitated a golden age economically and culturally that affected the entire United States, said Rasputin. Annie looked up from the screen. It was an understandable controversy with the farmers in Owens Valley, but the fact remains that the aqueduct changed everything. It was an architectural marvel, and by 1913, L.A. had water. And those Owens Valley farmers and their families got crumbs, said Beth. The farmers were paid, said Annie. Only 4,000 people lived in Owens Valley. Farmers were deceived, said Beth. And we're going to change the timeline back so they all get screwed? You need to go to your cabin, Beth, if you're going to harass the crew. That project helped make L.A. prosperous and boosted the country's economy. What's right is right. Who we'll asked ask you anyway, said Steuben, turning in his seat. She turned back and returned to the rear of the vessel. McKenna gritted his teeth. He spoke slowly to Steuben. Obviously, Nico knew this, and he must have killed Eaton and Mulholland up north in the fall of 1904. We have to prevent that from happening, said Steuben. I'm not here to take sides on what should or should not have been done. Our archives from our own timeline show the way that things need to be. There were others involved and others who went north, Mark, said This included J.P. Lippincourt, who headed the Board of Engineers, the San Fernando Syndicate, composed of Eaton, Mulholland, as well as Harrison Otis, the publisher of the LA Times, and Henry Huntington of the Pacific Electric Railroad, in a slew. Some of these men and other investors scoffed up land in the San Fernando Valley because the aqueduct would soon irrigate the valley. Mulholland was clean, really. Having all that information was a hell of a temptation said McKenna. McKenna looked back at Beth, her arms folded and her eyes closed, sitting in the lounge. He shook his head. What's the matter, Mark? asked Rasputin. Even if we prevent the deaths of Mulholland and Eaton, Nico will try again. We're going to have to kill Nico and whoever he brings back to 1904. Commander, said Steuben. Thirty seconds on the cluster weapon back at Time Portal Alpha. McKenna spun around to the real-time viewers. The three pianos showed the darkened station with colored lights pulsing on the consoles and the upper window span. On the outside view of the cluster weapon slowly rotated as it moved on a collision course with the cone-shaped Time Portal Alpha station. The energy hit the upper area, producing an expanded orange blast and a subsequent mushroom cloud. The cloud spread and slowly dissipated. Yes, you made the correct decision, Mark, said Steuben. I can't rested his chin on his raised fist. Now what? Chapter 6 The Schooner Samos Inside the Oversea, traveling in a dimensional bubble. Time waits for no man. When the schooner shimmied to a stop and the fluidity of the pathway returned to darkness, McKenna and Steuben ran up front. What happened, Georges? This is what happens with no flight tests, Mark. McKenna leaned over the console. Spare me the excuses. Simply, we no longer have a connection to the energy, said Steuben. The magnetic pods are not working. McKenna was on his feet. So we could sit here forever. Not a pleasant thought. We could conceivably live years and die here. Just fix the damn thing, Georgies. I'll need Cam and McGrath. Where are we in time? Approximately 2010. Could we get out of here if we had to? Asked McKenna. I don't think so. We need the magnetic interlocks and dimensional energy connecting in order to get back. What now, Commander? Asked Beth as she approached her arms still folded. Just a glitch. You seem to have a lot of glitches. I'm sick of your complaints about what is obviously a precarious situation. You keep your mouth shut or I'll have you locked in your cabin. McKenna at her and she said nothing as Cam ran up front. I've worked on those magnetic interlocks, sir, he said. Sometimes they get clogged. With what? Asked McKenna. Magnetic impulses. We need to go below and demagnetize if we can. Annie. Maintain front controls, he said. Gentlemen, we're going below. A few hours later, Steuben, Cam, and McGrath worked inside the open panels below. Annie alerted McKenna to an additional problem. Oxygen levels dropping in the cabin were creating a dangerous situation. The power for carbon dioxide conversion comes from the ions picked up during travel. Whatever caused the clogging has caused the drop, we could lose internal power. Georgies, status report. We have to proceed on the interlocks one by one, Mark. Not good. Keep working on it. Annie and Rasputin, over to the conference table. I'm assuming we'll get back to 1904. We need to go through the building and street records of downtown Los Angeles. I want to park this thing right in Los Angeles. The schooner, though, will be in the oversea. We'll be shielded until we come out. Then we can shadow Mulholland and Eaton if we operate out of Los Angeles itself. And possibly Lippincott, said Steuben. He's the chief engineer in connection to the Bureau of Reclamation, which happened in nineteen oh two. Then he began working for the city in nineteen oh six, when it was deemed a conflict of interest. Beth remained on top but watched them closely. Why not warn them? asked Annie. These men Got the water for Los Angeles. You think they're going to listen to us? Asked McKenna. I might alert Mulholland that someone is after him. Here's City Hall, she said, producing an enhanced photo with a long city boulevard. The City Hall rose over the surrounding five or six-story buildings. City Hall's at 226 Broadway. Has that upper tower where we could come and go without being seen. I'll put this information in our zoos. Where's Mulholland's office? Asked McKenna. In that City Hall? No. She checked something else on her screen. The building's on the northwest corner of Marchessault and North Almeda streets, less than a half a mile from City Hall. Good. She had a photo of the brick building built on the corner of two streets. McKenna thought for a second. I'm leaning toward getting word to Mulholland that somebody wants to kill him. Say we heard it at a bar or someplace, we can't mention that we're aware that he and Eaton are heading to Owens Valley. "'Gonna need clothes and money,' said Annie. "'Figure it out,' said McKenna. "'We'll shadow them all the way up to Owens Lake, "'on either side of them, if we have to.'" His zoo's abuzz with Steuben's image. "'What's going on, Georgies? "'We are gonna get out of here, or what?' "'Mark, something else is out there.'" "'Out where?' asked McKenna. "'We're in a dimensional bubble.'" "'In the Oversea,' said Steuben. "'That is impossible, Georgies. "'This is a pristine dimension that we created.'" far away right now. I'll buzz you if it gets closer. What about the cleanup of the magnetic interlocks? asked McKenna. That is proceeding well, but somebody is toying with us. Call me when you have something, said McKenna. McKenna sat at the table and placed the butt of his hands above his eyes. It has to be him. Nico? asked Annie. McKenna nodded his head. How would he know that we would create this route through the oversea he's back in the other timeline mark said steuben still on channel i highly doubt he's in here the same glass shaking sound in the wind was followed by a bright mass of golden dust wrong again mr steuben said nico as his ultra image appeared around 15 feet above them he wore a long tail coat with a purple rose and look at Commander McKenna, he cannot believe his bad luck. Where is this image coming from, Nico? asked McKenna. He turned to Annie and mulled the words, record this. Straight from hell for all I care to tell you, said Nico. For oh, you see, Mark, I understand your daring and your resourcefulness, and I'm quite impressed with your effort to avert my atomic fireworks in the other timeline. We saw the destruction of Time Portal Alpha. Nico raised his left brow. Really? I commend your ingenuity. Always oh, nice to see a traitor and a former member of Counterville. Ah, but it is you and your merry crew who are the traitors, Mark, shouted Nico. Do you really think I'm going to let you allow the Los Angeles aqueduct to be built? Kudos to your team for figuring this out so quickly. How did you stop it, shouted McKenna at the extremely realistic image. Nico's blue eyes glistened as he spoke. And give away my trade secrets? No, I shan't do that. My guess, Nico, is that you're back in the new timeline in 2084, but your trail leads back to 1904, and I don't think you have the means to communicate with yourself through time. I've always admired your prowess, Mark. You're almost as brilliant as I am. No more water for the Los Angeles desert. Just how do you think I did it? I don't trust you for a second, and I'm not telling you anything. Nico's eyes look meaner and his mouth tightened. You will tell me. or I'll prevent your schooner from ever moving again. We'll figure it out. You know, I thought about killing Teddy Roosevelt. Without his approval, they never would have claimed Owens Valley. Owens Valley wasn't theirs, blurted Beth. Nico's head snapped to the right a dissenter in the ranks. She doesn't look familiar I'm not I'm Beth Daniels, and I was kidnapped by McKenna and you are beautiful my dear McKenna typed into Annie's keyboard for Steuben Georgie's at the earliest possible moment flood all ionized frequencies available at this ultra image trail Why Nico asked McKenna? Do you realize how you wiped out billions of people? People who never existed because of you? Boo I am only sorry you won't see the early 20th century Southern California mark. It was wondrous, a golden age. However, the United States did not deserve the power and riches it ultimately possessed. Any fool could see that. Steuben typed into Annie's computer. Ready at your command. We're going back, Morrow, and we're going to stop you dead in your tracks. Unfortunately, Mark, you are going nowhere, and your band of fools will die here in the Oversea. Now, Mr. Steuben, Nico's ultra-image began breaking up as he screamed and stomped. Then he shattered into gold dust as he and the dust disappeared, but the rose remained. Goodbye to bad rubbish, said McKenna where was he mark who cares asked steuben rasputin why was he here at all asked mckenna to harass you personally and be sure if our systems are indeed clogged clearly he does not think we will ever leave this position it's as if he lives to challenge you mark said annie he thinks i destroyed his career we are on the verge of demagnetizing everything said steuben We'll be underway in less than 12 hours. I'm impressed, Mr. Steuben. Thank you, sir. But I do want to leave him something to chew on when he scans this area. Leave something behind and I'll record a distress message. And maybe some debris. I'll get on it, sir. I don't know when Nico arrived in Southern California. But I look forward to making sure that he never leaves. Archive 488, Time Unknown. If I could place my hands around Nico's neck, I surely would snap his windpipe and let time and space be rid of him. Nico has cleverly and strategically created an ultra-image of himself from an unknown location. With that interactive image, he can see and talk with us. He cannot be killed, although George Steuben did an admirable job of decimating the image itself. This is the second time Nico has appeared to us, prior. On time portal alpha, he graphically demonstrated that we were about to be annihilated by a nuclear detonated cluster weapon. Although we escaped into time, Nico now has magnetically clogged our magnetic interlocks. My crew has successfully addressed the problem, and we have continued our journey back to Southern California in 1904. Chapter 7. The schooner Samos. Inside the primary timeline, September 22nd, 1904. Water, water, everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Steuben, having slowed the progression back in time, opened the orifice, revealing a smattering of stars and planets outside the Oversea. McGrath pivoted the schooner through the Oversea and toward the blue Earth's swirling clouds. "'We will merge into September of 1904, above our lovely Earth,' said Steuben. "'Providing everything's been properly inversed,' said Annie, "'raising her brows and pursing her lips. "'Party-pooper. "'What about Nico?' asked McKenna, now standing in front of McGrath and Steuben. "'Is he here?' "'No way to tell, Commander,' said Rasputin in front of a viewer. "'I would assume that he made it back here before Mulholland and Eaton went north.' Or perhaps he had proxies, said Steuben. Good point. McKenna leaned forward. Can any of his devices be scanned? Possibly, said Annie behind him. Unless he uses the burrowing technology we have. Ann and I have constructed a hypo-vended routing device. All communication and computations are quantum burrowed as to prevent detection. How about a shortened name, Annie? The device. So our resources are rather extensive at this point, said Rasputin. We should be able to function in the time period. McKenna turned to the group. We will emerge from the Oversea in the Los Angeles City Hall at an elevation well above the city. We will then procure clothing. My main goal is to first warn Mulholland of a possible attempt on his life, but share no knowledge of his journey up north with Eaton because it's a secret trip. Are we following them to the Owens Valley? asked Cam. Probably. I doubt my warning will result in someone locating and arresting Nico. I frankly find it amazing we're even here. Mr. Steuben, McGrath, thank you for your efforts in curing the Nico malady by zapping that ultra image. My pleasure, Mark, answered Steuben. He crunched his fists together. Zap! We will disembark in the Tower of City Hall in Los Angeles in September of 1904. Annie will check the list for clothing, monetary ruminations, and each of us will have a contemporary photograph on contemporary stock of Nico from the Dana Studios in San Francisco. Sounds Russian, said Rasputin. Only Rasputin would think of that, said Annie. Annie stepped in front of the group. Nico will not see us come and go into the schooner. We will be using quantum burrowing, which will shield us from detection. But the caveat is the cold fusion becomes drained and requires a time to regain power when we use the burrowing. What are the long-term effects on the cold fusion? asked Steuben. I can't say it won't damage the units. We have to use the burrowing sparingly or we'll have no power and be trapped in the Oversea. But this is the unknown. She turned back to the group also i'm carrying an official wanted poster from texas stating that nico is wanted for the murder of josiah williamson of east millville texas remember this is the nico before he returned to our time period the time period of the ultra image this juxtaposition may be difficult to understand but we have to put it in perspective also said steuben loudly i understand that our power resources Without time portal Alpha, are limited. If we constantly move in and out of the oversea, we could deplete our cold fusion receptors. So when we enter a time period, we should be prepared to stay a while. And eventually, we'll return here once we prevent Nico from disrupting the timeline. So the standing order is to shoot Nico. Asked Kim. McKenna nodded. Absolutely. How do we track him down? asked Annie. I will lend my own intuitive powers, said Rasputin, but those powers are not infallible, only a hint to reality. Exactly, we'll be monitoring, but also don't look for Nico to make some mistake, such as leaving his power sources on. He will try to kill any of us. Now, I have the images of the other members who abandoned Countervail with Nico. I knew them all, but not personally. Assume all these associates of Nico have orders to shoot us dead also. Will we have contemporary weapons, sir? asked Kim. We will. The automatic Colt pistol designed by Browning. Also, shotguns will be issued from the period. Beth, I want you to record all this in a journal, said McKenna. I don't take orders from you. If you want to eat, you will. We're trying to repair what Nico did to the timeline. If I had my way, I'd side with the farmers up in Owens Valley. McKenna stared at her, and then spoke. Life is full of ifs, Beth. McKenna, dressed in a short-neck sack suit, light brown with a matching vest and dusty paisley tie, wore a watch chain in his vest pocket. His forty-five was strapped to a holster, looped over his shoulder. Steuben had denim overalls and white shirt sleeves rolled up. How do I look, Mark? Like you should report to duty on the aqueduct. I've been reading Elements of Geology by Joseph LeConte, 1898. I need to understand what the aqueduct is cutting through, Thomas Fanning's practical treatise on hydraulics and water supply, and Trotwine's civil engineer's pocketbook. You keep reading, my friend, said McKenna. I admire this Mulholland. He was self-taught. Unbelievable. He had a natural proclivity on how to produce water flow. That's why the aqueduct was so successful. Hopefully we'll get Nico now and the aqueduct will proceed as it should down the timeline, said McKenna, looking through the orifice. Can you work as a laborer, Georges? That would allow us to gain some information on the ground and find Nico and the others. Sure. McKenna and Annie stood in front of real-time panels overlooking a small city in 1904. No automobiles, no freeways, or fast food restaurants. Hard to believe we're looking out at 1904 Los Angeles buildings. So much smaller. No skyscrapers back here. I have more old images of the entire L.A. basin here, too, said Annie. A smattering of homes, dirt roads, and the L.A. and San Gabriel Rivers. Orange orchards everywhere. I suppose the people back here are the same as in our time, said Kim. "'Not so sure about that, Cameron,' said McKenna. "'Greater sense of justice and responsibility. "'People had to be self-reliant. "'There are liars and cheats in any time period. "'But I believe when you gave your word, "'it had more credence than in our time.' "'More a sense of community all over the country,' said Rasputin. "'We'll get that bastard Nico,' said McGrath, "'and then get the hell out of here.' "'Homesick, Will?' asked Annie." I think we all missed the people back in the other timeline, said McGrath. Amen to that, replied McKenna, looking at Beth standing in the rear opening. And I'm supposed to stay here alone, twiddling my thumbs. McKenna turned. You'll stay put and not jeopardize this mission, Beth. Go to hell. McKenna winced as he studied the real-time panels. The city hall's red sandstone exterior surrounded the tower slits. Horses pulled wagons on the street below. A smattering of tiny horseless carriages rolled along in this time period, but the horse and wagon predominated in the distance. Annie, opened shield normally. Opening shield, sir. The nose cone opened and the orifice expanded until they were facing the upper tower slits. McKenna walked into the warming air of 1904, followed by the team members. When everyone gathered inside the City Hall tower, he ordered the Oversea opening closed. Beth and the inside of the schooner disappeared. McKenna stood in front of his team as a slight wind hit his skin and ruffled his hair. He grinned at Rasputin. You look like the country parson, Rasputin. Thank you, my son, he said, bowing. The air was warm and fresh as he looked down the center building's red tile roof and side chimneys. Windows of the four, maybe five-story building were arched Romanesque, and a cross stood solitary at the triangular parapet above the windows. Below, a man sat in an upholstered black carriage drawn by a single horse. A flat and dirt road bisected a white fence with an open gate and trimmed grass beyond. Steuben and I will walk down to the water department building at the corner of Massachusetts and North Alameda streets said Rasputin. We are at City Hall, so I suggest the rest of you go to the records division and locate Mulholland's house address. If Georgie's and I don't find him in that office, that will be our next stop. They call him the Chief, said Annie. He looks like someone in command and those old photographs I saw said McKenna. Real old school. Annie looked up from her pad. Mulholland started as a ditch digger and rose to superintendent and then on to build the marvel called the Los Angeles Aqueduct. I like people who can walk the walk, said McKenna. If there's an emergency, open the Oversea and get back to the schooner. If you spot Nico, buzz my device right away. Good luck and we'll see you in an hour or so ornate five-bulb streetlights were placed on poles down Broadway. Steuben repeatedly pointed out to McKenna that horses still dominated this era. When he nearly stepped into a huge dropping along the side of the road, McKenna stopped to catch his breath from laughing. (laughs) It wouldn't be funny if you had your pretty shoes in that mess. Oh, no, of course not, Georgies said McKenna, still smiling as they trod along the compacted dirt road lines with flat roof warehouses. Dubin kicked his boot against one of the telephone poles. Overhead wires formed a fractal maze above the street. Honestly, how do people live back here with this, this, this? For shit? asked McKenna, still grinning. You get used to what you get used to. Easy for you to say, Mark, he said, looking at the bottom of his boot. I tell you, I could go for a cold beer and a steak right about now. We'll eat later. A brick building on the left, built to accommodate the corner of Masha Show and North Alameda, came into view. McKenna looked at the numerous woman clerical workers inside the long windows. How many people are in LA right now, Mark? About a hundred thousand. More people are coming out here because of Nordoff's book, Promoting Southern California. They simply won't have enough water here as they expand. Makes sense to get the water from up north. Look what LA became in our timeline. The wonderful Miss Beth doesn't think so, said McKenna as he opened the oak and glass door. I wish she wasn't aboard you and me both. A whole slew of workers were at desks inside. Two women were busy at oak desks under the windows. One of them had a black telephone with no dial or buttons on her desk. Excuse me. Yes, sir, what can I do for you? Asked a middle-aged brunette with a funny smile. I'm wondering if the chief is in. Oh, I- I'm sorry, he's not. He's taking a well-deserved vacation and we'll be gone for three weeks and maybe a month. Then he just left. Well, he left work yesterday. You know, I've never seen a man work as hard as Bill Mulholland. Plus, he's got it up here, she said, pointing to her temple. You ask the chief about any street anywhere in the city, and he can tell you about the pipes, the drainage, keeps it all upstairs. I've heard that he's a smart man. Mr. Van Norman may be available. Thank you, but I need to see Bill. My name's Mark McKenna, and I'll get back to him uh, in three weeks. Very well, sir. Good day. Thank you. Once outside, Steuben turned to McKenna. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not asking for Mulholland's address because you don't want to stir up trouble. Georgie, I can see that such a leap in logic is why I have you on the team. Oh, hush shit, said Steuben, looking down at his boot. Kenneth smiled as they strode at a relaxed clip down the Massasoit Street warehouses. I just wanted to check and see if you had any ulterior motives. I always have ulterior motives. We can't raise any more suspicion than we already have. You know how delicate time is. You do know, Mark, that if the chief is at his house then we can deliver our message and show him Nico's photograph. But if he's left town with Eaton, then, Mr. Steuben, we have a little problem on our hands. We'll have to trail him on both sides, going north, as I said. And we'll have to bring that raving lunatic, Beth, with us. Thought you liked her. I did. Once. McKenna laughed. Till I got to know her. Just let me add this tidbit, Mark. I know she's wacky, but more than that, I don't trust her. You heard her talking about the Owens Valley Farmers. McKenna stopped at the street corner and gazed at the city hall's sandstone edifice in the distance. A horse and wagon pass by quickly on the dirt road. I don't know if it's because of lack of cars, but the air is pristine. Except for the horses. Mark, are you listening to me? Yes, Georgies, I am. And I believe you're going to tell me that Beth is capable of stopping the aqueduct and working with the farmers. That is exactly what I'm telling you. McKenna walked slightly ahead of Annie down the road, dotted with poplars and a thin cable rail track. Annie checked a piece of paper she had obtained at City Hall. Mulholland's house is at 6th and Cumming Street in the Boyle Heights section of L.A. I know this area. The Santa Ana Freeway cuts through here and I-10 in the future. Not now, though. Steuben was upset that he asked me to go over to Mulholland's house. Georgie's can be imposing. True. An open little automobile approached, the engine sounding like a deep-throated lawnmower. A man and a woman sat in a single seat, and the steering mechanism looked more like a long metal stick. Both occupants in the car waved, and Annie chuckled. How cool is that? Says Oldsmobile, said McKenna as they passed, and he and Annie continued along the sidewalk. What are you going to say to Mulholland if he's even here? asked Annie. Make him aware of Nico and the others, but we still have to follow them up to the Owens Valley. Annie took McKenna's hand as she stepped off the Yellow Line's electric car on the 7th Street line in Boyle Heights. The conductor tipped his hat. McKenna studied the overhead electrical lines. That was a smoother ride than I thought. We tend to think every generation born more than 20 years before us are idiots. They moved into a bucolic area along a lake in a lush green area called Hollenbeck Park. The air was pleasantly warm and clean. McKenna wondered what it would be like to live in this time period. Do you know how Mulholland got to be foreman for what was then a private water company? He married the mayor's daughter, said McKenna, still flummoxed about being in 1904. Wrong, El Capitan, she said, shaking her wide cheeks. He was clearing out one of the ditches when the owner of the water company his boss perry rides by on horseback he asked mulholland who he is said annie as she laughed mulholland says none of your goddamn business was he fired no the the owner left and someone tipped off mulholland that the man he had just snapped at was the owner he went down to cash in his hours thinking he was all done instead Perry says that Mulholland was the type of guy he wanted as foreman. Apparently he was the right guy for that job. They emerged onto a packed dirt road. Mulholland's nearby huge house had a clean trim lawn and multiple fan palms and a smattering of small lemon and evergreen trees. The house was raised up and a long staircase led to the front door. Bay windows and a turreted window and balustraded porch connected to a second staircase. "'I guess it pays to be chief of the water department,' said McKenna. "'You've got to realize, Mark, that when you bring water to places where water is a scarcity, you're a hero.' "'Judging by the house,' smiled McKenna, two ladies sat on chairs. "'Inside the porch and children played down the other end. "'The scent of sweet flowers was still evident in the air. "'The slightly older woman stood and walked to the edge of the stairs. "'Can I help you, gentlemen?' My name is Mark McKenna, and this is my secretary, Miss Ryan. I'm Frank, she said. McKenna tried to absorb as to why a woman would call herself Frank. How do you do? I was just telling my daughter that we'd be having visitors. I knew it, but I'd wager you're here to see Bill. I am. Just uh, supply business. Sorry to disturb you at your house. Well, Bill left yesterday for a long vacation. Mules, whiskey and all. I can return later. I apologize. No need to, Mark. If you'd like to join us for dinner, I can set a place for you and your secretary. I thank you very much. Perhaps when Mr. Mulholland returns. Thank you for the invitation, Frank. What is the name of your company? she asked. McKenna did not have a ready answer, but Annie spoke up. Dusseldorf Pipe Fabricators! "'Yes, uh, we're a very small company, but our product is world-class,' said McKenna. "'Well, I'll let Bill know,' she said. "'He only wants the best at the best price.' "'Thank you, and have a good day,' said McKenna. "Goodbye." They started back down the street. "'I owe you for that one, Annie. "'Is there a Dusseldorf Pipe Fabricators?' "'Who the hell knows?' (laughs) she said, laughing. "'No card, Mark? What kind of salesman are you?' They moved on to the sidewalk, an unprepared one. With Eaton and Mulholland already heading up north, this ratchets it all up. They treaded slowly along the small lake lined with willow-like trees. Annie pointed to an adjacent hill with sporadic trees and a few small palms. A multi winged building, maybe a city building or hospital, sat atop the hill. Now what, Mark? Get on a magic carpet? Exactly, up the hill. I need to get a view of this place. He motioned her up the hill and they climbed up the pathway under the trees toward small spreading fan palms up top. The white sign's black letters over the entrance read Santa Fe Coast Lines Hospital. The top stucco formed a Moorish architecture and the center tower could have been in Madrid or Barcelona. Red tile roofs sat on both towers. A soft dirt road, tire and hoof marks in the soil Veered left past the ground cover to several cluster palms and a tapering spread of mowed grass. An American flag with 45 stars furrowed atop a pole over the entrance tiles. Once inside the wood panel corridor, McKenna simply asked if they could admire the view from the tower. One of the orderlies brought them down the corridor and up the stairs to an open tower. He asked if there was anything else he could do and then left. I guess security was left in the future, too, Mark, said Annie. Why are we up here, Mark? For the view? Tell me what you see. Wow, the city, but beyond. My my God, there's nothing. Over there, Chavez Ravine. The original hill was called Mount Lookout. They shaved it when they built Dodger Stadium. Panoply farms and probably orange orchards blanketed the flat basin plain. Near Santa Monica, a cluster of tent buildings framed the scattered beachgoers. South on the other side in the distance were ships and docks around San Pedro. To the east, barely visible, the port of Los Angeles showed activity along the blue water. Then he panned the river north to the San Gabriel Mountains. Malholland and Eaton, the men whose lives we're going to protect, are responsible for an unprecedented burst of economic and cultural activity. Annie stared north toward the San Fernando Valley's farming expanse. My research shows that oranges changed the image and economy of California. I looked up the figures for this year, and next year, 1905, 31,422 railroad cars of Washington Naval Oranges were shipped out of California to the rest of the country. Mulholland was an Irish immigrant, said McKenna, mesmerized by the rural nature of most of the basin. My great-grandfather came from Ireland, but met my great-grandmother in Ohio. I pulled up books on Mulholland. The man came out of nowhere, and by the time he died, all the flags on public buildings were at half-staff. Everything he learned about engineering, piping, he learned either on his own or by reading books. He landed in America in 1872. She pointed north to where Griffith Park would be located. He lived up there, basically in a shack, started as a Zaneo ditch digger in Crystal Springs which later became the Los Angeles Water Department. Mulholland rose to the position of chief engineer and general manager. That's what makes this accomplishment which hasn't happened yet much more extraordinary. Up there in Newhall in the San Fernando Valley in 1913 water did flow from Owens Valley. He faced Danny's serious expression in the sunlight and Nico saw this opportunity to very easily change the timeline stealthily, seamlessly, so no one ever knew. How would anyone know if a timeline was going to be changed? Things would just appear to go forward. How did Mulholland get to Los Angeles? Tough man. Six years on the docks and steamers around the Great Lakes. He was logging in Michigan when he injured his leg and they was told the leg would have to be amputated. He staggered into a church in Ohio where a children's choir was singing Gloria and Excelsis. Somehow, he set out on a course on the old side wheelers on the Colorado River, Then he and his brother later prospected for gold in Arizona. Then he gets the ditch-tender job in L.A. in 1877. The city at that time only had 10,000 people. Sometimes I think things are mapped out, Annie. If that's the case, how dare Nico meddle with time? So, Mark, with mules and an old buckboard, camping equipment, barometer, surveyor's transit, and geologist's map, he and Fred Eaton made the 500-mile round trip in about 40 days. And then, Mulholland was sure from his measurements that an aqueduct could be built from the Owens Lake to Los Angeles. Think of it, Annie, he said, turning toward the San Fernando Valley. They're heading toward the Owens Valley, right up there now as we speak. They're in the old timeline, Mark, as are we, said Annie. With additional water, developers were able to market housing tracts using all these exotic names and more. Brilliant salesmanship and advertising. McKenna, fully realizing he was back in 1904, felt the adrenaline flowing. I understand the Owens Valley became dry, but the water allowed businesses down here an opportunity for millions. Strange dichotomy, replied Annie. The early filmmakers Griffith and Cecil DeMille And the whole industry of silent pictures, Disney, the animation, the classic films, and the movie stars. More than that, the lacing of the freeways throughout the basin, connecting untold businesses and hundreds of housing tracks as people cross the country, as you say, to live in L.A. The aerospace, the entertainment industry, how many lives were affected right across this basin, which hasn't happened yet. It's mind-boggling, she said can turned away from the prodigious San Gabriel mountain range at the far end of the basin. I'm telling you this because our going north isn't just a grudge or intense hatred of Nico Moro. although that's true I must admit. It's not about planes arriving from all over the world at busy LAX in a land that never should have been. You and I saw that second timeline. It's about a realignment of human life and Nico knew exactly what he was doing by getting Mulholland and Eaton out of the way. We'll have Rasputin scout the trail ahead. Annie held a piece of paper. Here are the Nico defectus from Countervale. Thomas Gaudet, Herm Perez, Alan Gorton, David Forrestal, Richard Hunter, Frank Baker, and Fred Dreyer. Forrestal is dead. Understood. I'll have the images in background on all our devices before we leave. Thanks, Annie. Kind of pointed his finger. These men will likely be used by Nico to kill Mulholland and Eaton. Making sure Mulholland and Eaton get back to safety is our only priority. We'll buy buckboards and horses to pull. We'll parallel their route through Newhall to Saugus to the Antelope Valley to Mojave. We'll travel both sides where the Jawbone Siphon will be constructed on those desert hills. Past Mount Whitney Independence. We'll have our people probably start up in Big Pine and Bishop and head south. From what I've discovered, Mark, the two never came back on this new timeline, and the timeline did change. Eaton was a mover and a shaker and had plans for the Owens Valley water for years. I think Nico and his people killed them, or will, and got rid of the bodies. This is going to be a bloody fight, and Nico has his fool followers. If he fails, they will try again in the future. She said looking downtown where the skyscrapers would exist in the future. Nico and the others must die now, Annie. Let's get back to City Hall and get this trip underway. William Mulholland being killed is the focal point that changed the timeline. Upon leaving the Oversea and sweeping down over the west coast, the schooner ends up in the old City Hall in Los Angeles. They need to warn Mulholland before he heads up north to scout for water with Fred Eaton. It's Los Angeles. Streetcars... No tall skyscrapers, horses, and the beginnings of electricity and automobiles. Join me next time for an unexpected journey after Mulholland and Eaton in the presence somewhere in the dimension of Nico Morrow. I'm Robert P. Fitton, saddling up and heading north into the high desert. Get him up, move him out.